0: Okay. Okay, Valentine Day. You look so pretty. I like your hair.
1: Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're very, like, in the mood, I feel like. Um, I showered is what happened. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you all have some fun plans today?
1: You know, Andy is going to make... His famous vegetarian taco chili for me. Oh, I know you love that. Did you have that when you were here? Yes, it's very good. Yeah, so yeah, he's going to make that for me. And um, I don't know, just kind of spend the day together. Oh, look at you and you.
0: Well, this is cool because, you know, you spent a lot of Valentine's Days as a single lady single empowered lady and now you get to be sure you get to be part of
1: a couple it's really interesting I have I have I would say a lot of friends who are transitioning out of long-term relationships and this is the first time in my life that I'm the one in the relationship while most of my friends are transitioning into being single. It's, mm. it's so interesting because being on the other side of it for so long, this day, obviously when you don't have something, you emphasize a lot of what you, you know, what you're lacking. So I always tried to make, make this day special. And usually that just meant I would do for myself <clears throat> excuse me I would do for myself all of the things that I wished someone would do with me mm. so I would take myself to a really nice restaurant I would buy myself flowers I would like clean the house and sage and just think about it as a celebration of just the verb of love like mm-hmm. being loving so I had my dogs I would show them lots of affection, or I'd go get, you know, a box of pastries and bring them to my parents because, you know, I love them. So if really anyone that you had affection for, I'd use it as an excuse to show them love. Mm-hmm. And that carried me for a really, really, really long time to the point where I am now, where it's like Valentine's day for me is not a day about couples. It's a day, it's a greeting card holiday. Let's let's be honest. It's not real. It's it's a it's a day that we sell a lot of <laughs> commercialized things in the name of love. But really it's just a day I I use to practice the verb, whether it's romantic love or familial love or you know, the parental sort of love I have for my fur babies yeah
0: I think that's a good thing. I mean, I think there's so many people who, for this this day brings a lot of different feelings, right? This is my first uh, Valentine's day in a very long time uh, since 2014 as a single woman. Wow. So I had many, many Valentine's days. I mean, my whole life really as a single yeah. one, lo- I mean, as a single woman. I mean, every once in a while, I would have, you know, a boyfriend on Valentine's day. It happens sometimes. Um, yeah. Like, do you remember you college?
1: Yes. Remember college, the Valentine's day Sucks party?
0: <laughs> we threw a Valentine's day sex oh, party. It was I, great. We got yeah. a heart-shaped cookie
1: cake. Yes. That it said, said Valentine's, Valentine's day sucks. sucks. S-U-X. <laughs> and then we all took plastic fours and knives and just like stabbed it to death. <laughs> and we had a karaoke machine. And yeah. We sang Greece. karaoke,
0: Greece. Yep. Celine Dion. You did yes. your famous Celine Dion impression.
1: <laughs> my heart will go on. Yes, <laughs> I yes. did it. Beating my chest. Beating your chest. Yes. Told Renee how much I loved him. That All was of it. So good. Well, her heart does go on. It forever and ever. Forever.
0: So you know, for people who are single advice for getting through Valentine's day. And today we're, we're taking some love questions. We got some really good love questions, but we thought we would start just like getting through today. And I like how you started off the conversation, Amy, because self-love is always a great way to go and loving the people in your life. And I know it feels a little bit cliche, Mm -hmm. especially when let's say you are really wishing you were with somebody, you're in a position where most of your friends are single but uh, there are a lot of people out there who may have most of their friends who are coupled and yeah. feeling a little bit like the third wheel or feeling a little bit of otherness. And so, for them, you know, what advice can we
1: give them? Yeah, I think that that, that idea that the grass is always greener is really important to think about. I have, I remember when my when I was a single person and all of my friends were coupled, they used to look at my life and the possibilities that I had still in front of me with this feeling of like, you know, a- excitement for me. And, you know, mm-hmm. just a-, a healthy sort of en- envy, you right. know, not the unhealthy kind, but the-, the playful envy that you have for someone who still has the opportunity to experience the beginnings and, and all of that of, of a relationship. So knowing that, no, and I have friends now who are just embarking on the beginnings of their relationships, and I'm thinking back to, oh, I remember what that felt like when you know things were just starting to unfold, that magic, right? I remember that. Everything, and I harp on this a lot, I know, but everything is about perspective. So if you constantly look at your life from a, from a place of lacking, mm-hmm. all you're going to see is what you don't have. And instead, if you try to look at your life from a place of like, okay, what do I have? What do I have that, you know, I'm going to really appreciate later when I have something different? Mm-hmm. That's hard to do when you are feeling low, when you're feeling depressed, um, when you're feeling sad. And I'm not one of those people who believe that those feelings are bad feelings. I think they're important. I think you have to hold them and you have to. I always looked at it like, okay, what am I sad about? Am I sad because. I'm alone or am I sad because I have nobody to share things with? And that's mm-hmm. always, for me, it's always about sharing. Like I, I always wanted to share experiences, share food. I mean, you heard me for years say like, Oh, I wish I had someone to cook for. Cook for. Yeah. You always <laughs> said that. Right. So if I think friendship is so powerful and it fills so much void when it comes to loneliness doesn't yeah. fill everything obviously but you know if you're lucky enough to have friends in your life then you can share a lot of that stuff with them and i galentine's day right that's what we celebrated you know that sort of day that was for your friends for yeah. showering your friends with love and affection and, and receiving it you don't have a lot of friends, you do have yourself. Yes. And let me tell you, there are people who are in situations where they don't have time for themselves because they have really demanding relationships or, you know, friends or work or whatever, like just things pulling at them. So they have no time to just devote to caring for themselves. So there's It's always going to be something. There's always an excuse Mm -hmm. or a reason to be unhappy with your circumstance. This is why it's really important to look at what you have, what you do have, because your life will change. Yeah. And I think
0: that goes for people, whether they're coupled or single, because as somebody who was coupled for a lot of years, um, most of my, most of my thirties, there were a lot of unhappy holidays and Valentine's yeah. days, where even though I was with somebody, I, I did feel very alone. Yeah, And I know that the outside world looked at me as if, oh, wow, she's so happy. And yeah, wow, I wish I had what she had. And, and I did have so much, I did have so much. But um, that feeling of generosity was missing. Mm-hmm. That feeling of caring for myself was missing that feeling yeah. of um like wholeness was missing. Sure. And I think it's funny because now I sit here on the other side of things and I feel my heart is very full. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be hokey and say, my cup
1: runneth over, but you know Girl, I really you've got a puddle on the floor. It's I got a billing everywhere. But I do feel
0: <laughs> I feel a lot of love from people in my life because I think sometimes when you're in a relationship, you think, oh, this is my source of love now, right now. I just need to turn on this faucet. I've been waiting for this faucet. Now I can turn this faucet on and I'm good. And you realize as you go down the road, people who have been in relationships for a while and have found some level of success or, you know, a healthy relationship, or even if they've left it, they've recognized that you can't put that all on one person. And it can really be so much of it about is about managing expectations, but You need a whole village of people, a constellation of people to sort of fill the different buckets that you need in your life. Most of all, yourself, you need to be there for you. And I love that you spent so many Valentine's days filling up your bucket, taking care of yourself in the way that you felt like you needed to. I mean, I think my advice is regardless of whether you're coupled or you're single, make a plan for today that is going to fill up your cup, that is going to give you that feeling of love. Even if, even if you're, Tank is super duper low, even doing one nice thing, one kind thing for somebody else or for yourself
1: today. Oh my god, totally
0: move it a notch because it's like a radio station, you know, or a radio dial. Whatever station you tune into and turn the volume up is going to get louder. So, if you're tuned to that negativity, Mm -hmm. it's just going to get louder if you focus on that. So, you know, find somebody to call, reach out to somebody in need. Serving others is always a great way to feel more love
1: spend time with animals (laughs) telling you, like part of the reason I have two fur babies is because I was (laughs) single for so long. Yeah, I was like, I have all this love. I have all of this, you know, attention. I want to shower upon someone. So they take, they take up that space. They took up a lot of that space and it was such a, it was such a blessing. If you're not an animal person, then, then, you know, there are other things, but I don't know the unconditional love you get from, from a pet is, is really special, but I did want to add one thing that I thought about when I was listening to you just now, my brother posted something. I think it was like last week. And all, all he said was like, the, the more you take care of yourself, the less you'll depend on someone else to do mm-hmm. it for you. He said it more eloquently than, than that, but it, that is such an important thing mm-hmm. when you feel lacking coming from partnership. Yeah. If there's a mirror component of that within yourself, like if they're not doing something for you, usually it means you're not doing that for yourself. For
0: yourself. Yeah. Either. And so true. So true. So true. So yeah, I mean, whether you are coupled or not today, find a way to turn up that love, give it to another person, give it to yourself. Yeah. So let's take some of the questions that we got. Um, I'm gonna, we, we shorthanded some names here. The first one is, can love overcome political differences? So I'll read this. My husband is a hardcore conservative and I'm the opposite in my views. We got together at a young age and this was not something we discussed. But we've grown up and changed and we now have stronger opinions. I want our children to grow up loving and accepting others. And he's teaching them otherwise. We cannot even talk about it because he's so set in his ways. And he's angry that I don't agree with his point of view. I would appreciate an outside perspective on this situation. Wow. <laughs> this like is not if, the sign <laughs> of the times. <laughs> Seriously.
1: No, <laughs> when I saw this, I got very excited because I, I have... I I know how many homes are plagued with this issue right now, how many Mm -hmm. relationships, not just romantic relationships, but like parental children relationships, coworker relationships, friendships, Mm -hmm. you know, sibling relationships, Mm -hmm. everything. So this is definitely important to discuss.
0: Yeah, I I think this, to, to me, the thing that occurs automatically the word that comes to mind is minefields. And I'm going to probably refer to the Gottmans a couple times in this conversation, because I did a, a marriage workshop with a, a Gottman marriage workshop and they've for people not familiar with them, they studied successful and healthy couples for, f- for four decades and mm-hmm. have identified different things that make and create that break and create good and healthy relationships. And one of the things that they talk about is, people who are either masters or disasters.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and that's really like when it gets to these minefield areas, everybody, every relationship has minefield areas yeah. where if you touch it, it's like a hot stove. It's a trigger, right? Yeah. You have this in your relationship too. There's just, everybody Everyone does, has it. yeah. but it's about, it's not about the thing. It's how you go about talking about the thing. So they would say, okay. The, the healthy couples were masters. So even if it was a minefield area, let's say it was something having to do with a set of in-laws who were difficult to deal with, or let's say they had differing v- views about religion or
1: mm-hmm.
0: other kinds of things. There was a shared, there was a mutual respect. Even if they disagreed, they were respectful in the way that they held the dialogue. Even if they argued, it felt more like an exchange, a fair exchange of views versus an attack and a tearing down. And what they predicted was that essentially, if the people who were masters stayed married, stayed in relationship, stayed happy, the disasters would divorce within a six year period mm. was, was their average. And that was to an over 90% accuracy rate. Wow. So the way that you go about having conversations really, really matters. I think you can overcome political differences. It's it's not easy but I think when that becomes the thing it's like having it's like putting a huge like volcano in the room and then you're trying to step around the volcano you right. sometimes have to just take the volcano out of the room and be in the room with the person and then figure out like how is this issue affecting our lives and then talk about those things rather right. than the issue because you're not going to change their mind but you can no. talk about how it affects you
1: the the word that's coming to mind is content a lot of time a lot of times in relationships when there is like that minefield area when when you are approaching it with this feeling of contempt for the person who's in there with you it shows up in really how you respond to everything so i think it is helpful even if you're on opposing sides to really take a beat and think okay, do, do I want to approach this where I'm showing contempt? Because Mm -hmm. if I bring that energy in, if I bring the energy of like annoyance, irritation, or dismissiveness, that's, what's going to come back. Right. And I'll be fair and say that usually there is one person who's having that feeling and the other person has no choice but to respond in kind mm-hmm. it's kind of like i forget where i forget where i study this but it was the idea of like there are three options when you are in a conflict with someone you either show up as your child selves mm-hmm. child and child or you show up adult and child or you show up adult adult. 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 Yeah. Right. So child and child is just bickering. Um, adult and child is like when one person's kind of talking down to the other one and the other person's, um, you know, feeling like they're being managed, almost like parenting them. Correct. Mm -hmm. And then adult and adult is when you're both in control of your emotions Mm -hmm. and you're kind of coming with, uh, you're coming with your your crap sort of like managed and contained within you. You're not leaving it for the other person to handle. Mm-hmm. This is important. Like I, I struggled with this a lot in my relationships with my parents. Mm-hmm. I would always show up to them as the child. And then I'd get frustrated yeah. when I was quote unquote parented or talked <laughs> down to. Meanwhile, you're like, I got a 401k. Okay. All right. Yeah, exactly. So what changed was when I became aware of this, I was like, oh my God, I need to change my energy when I'm walking into this situation. Mm. I need to be the adult. I need to be really grounded and contained within myself. And then when I speak, when I, when I, talk to them i really need to modulate Mm -hmm. my energy i need to talk in a way where i'm okay no matter how this goes Mm -hmm. i can't walk into this situation with this feeling of like desperation like please hear me hear me understand me accept me (laughs) i can't do that because they don't respond well to it they're just like oh you know indian parents right like go away stop (laughs) feeling Go, go clean your room kind of energy, <laughs> right? And this dynamic happens not just in parental relationships. It happens with partnership. Mm-hmm. So if you go into that sort of conflict, having managed your own emotions, they're not going, it's possible they won't respond to you the same way. They'll feel that change in the energy. Yeah, it, It's subtle, but you pick up on it. So my first piece of advice would be kind of take a look at how you you show up. Mm -hmm. And even if you think you're doing everything right, still take the time to really say, okay, how am I showing up? What am I feeling when we have these conversations? Am I like feeling desperate for my partner to hear me, to see me, to understand me, to validate me? Cause if I'm bringing that energy in, they're, they're going to be repulsed by it
0: mm-hmm.
1: because in general, if you're, I, I don't know, maybe you feel differently, but if I know someone's throwing desperation energy at me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I shut down and I, I like want to leave. I want to leave the, the conversation.
0: Yeah, everybody has a different reaction to that. And I think so much of it is about setting an intention for the conversation. So when you're coming into that conversation, and I'm sure some people are listening to this thinking, hey, I'm being calm, I'm being receptive, the other person is feeling attacked, because they want me to agree with them. And I think, here's where you even you have to lean into that discomfort and it's not comfortable. And part of leaning into discomfort is being vulnerable and then trusting your partner to hold you. And that's really hard if you've had a dynamic where that person has been so set in their ways, but Mm -hmm. what sometimes we don't understand is the we don't understand the impact we're having on other people and they don't understand the impact they're having on us. And so what you're doing is lifting the veil and showing them the impact. So if this person is set in their ways and they're just like, you know, in this case for, for this, for this writer, for this listener, he's, he's a hardcore conservative. She feels differently. It really matters because of how they're raising the children. If she can approach the conversation and say, I am feeling like, I'm, fe- I'm not feeling listened to. I am feeling alone when it comes to this area of our relationship. If she says that he might perk up and say, what do you mean? Um, mm-hmm. And she says this, I don't need us to have the same beliefs but I need to have some room about how you are welcome to keep your beliefs. I wanna keep mine. But when it comes to this area of raising our children, I would like us to be able to have certain conversations where I need to be able to educate them about certain issues that I think are gonna impact them. And so then you sort of peel off those, yeah. those layers and you bring that other person a little bit closer to the conversation. Because if you're coming at them going, why are you always so mean? Why are you always so stubborn? They're gonna feel attacked because you yeah. would too. And so it's like taking taking the walls down brick by brick by brick.
1: I think it helps, I mean, totally, 100%. That isn't, that's a transferable skill to any area of your life, Yeah, and it works. It's hard, it's challenging. You kind of have to take your own self down a peg, mm-hmm. you know, which for me, that is sometimes really, really hard, but it, it does work. Cause you're on a platform with high heels. Oh my God, and I'm gonna <laughs> fall. <laughs> I will say too that it helps sometimes to look at it from a standpoint of some, some what happened in this person's life to make mm-hmm. them feel so strongly and so aggressive about this topic. Yeah. I'll give you an example. Um, my my father in 1984 was in India. We were all in India at that time and we were visiting and there was a really horrific uprising that happened. And uh, he was sort of traveling across the country when it happened. I mean, you can look it up, 1984, India, mm-hmm. October. It was horrible. And he saw some things and was caught in the middle of some things that created a tremendous amount of PTSD. Mm -hmm. And so when we came back, obviously I was like three when that happened. So I had no idea, right? And then decades later, when I'm wanting to go places or do things or whatever, he always had this really like aggressive Mm -hmm. reaction like to the point where he'd be like, absolutely not over my dead body. That's happening. Like, yeah. And I, like my mom, not a normal reaction. No, not a normal parental reaction. And I could tell it wasn't normal because my mom would always kind of just look at him and be like, I think you're overreacting. Mm -hmm. And I never understood why. And then one day Mm. my brother asked him like, can you, can you tell us like, what happened there? And like, he never wanted to talk about it. He finally did. And then once he laid it all out for us, what he witnessed, what he went through, everything made sense. So every time I went to him with logic, like you're being irrational, you're, Mm -hmm. you know, this is not big of a deal. He would just pound back harder. But when I went to the place of like, wow, I'm really understanding now. Empathy. Yeah, where you're coming from. I didn't know that this was your experience. I didn't know that this is informing why you feel so strongly about mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. Now I now I know that. Now I know how to appeal to you when I need something or I wow. want want something. That's that powerful. changed. Ev- yeah, it changed everything. So my point is some was sometimes when someone's being really aggressive about a viewpoint, even if it's a viewpoint that you you know, disagree with completely. Mm-hmm. You have to sometimes ask, like, "Can you share with me why you feel so strongly? Like, did something happen that made you feel this way? Can we talk about it?" You know that that helps bridge a gap.
0: I love that. I love that. That's really good. Thanks for sharing that story. Sure. So we'll go to the next question because I think this is different. But there's a relationship related thing here because it's about dynamics. So the question is, should I stay or should I go? Um, So I'm feeling disconnected from my partner. He does not wanna talk about his or my feelings. There's no communication and he only shows me attention in the bedroom. I'm also overburdened by household responsibilities, the kids, et cetera. I'm taking care of everything, including his needs but no one is taking care of mine. I feel like I have lost who I am. What should I do?
1: wow that's a lot of people's relationships right now
0: i think having lived through something very similar (laughs) yeah first i will say i'm very sorry for how you're feeling right now you probably feel alone and there's a lot of people like you said in this situation you are not alone um this is an opportunity to be your own best friend. If you are feeling this lost, this disconnected and really incapable of touching happiness, you are really not taking care of yourself. You are not doing the things you need to do to take care of yourself. And you're not in a place to make a big decision about whether to stay in a relationship or not until you have taken care of not just your basic needs, like, have I showered today? Have I eaten enough today? Have I drank enough water? Um, Have I even had five minutes to myself? And I know some people think I can't get five minutes because the kids are clinging onto my leg. There, There is a dynamic inside of the household that needs to change. And it may start with, you know, you may find yourself doing things, boycotting the chores, things that you've been doing to enable another person's behavior. Like, let's say you're doing all the chores, just, just stop doing them. Eventually, yeah, things are going to get messy, but that person will not notice. I know that feels a little passive aggressive, but if, you, <laughs> if you've if you talked to them and you've told them over and over again, and they're not engaging, that may be your only option. I also think there's something to be said for if you have the ability to do so, find someone to else to clean the house, hire somebody. There's people you can pay to help you with some of these things so that you can get the time and energy you need. If you have somebody that can come over, obviously it's COVID, but there's somebody in your bubble that you know can come over like a parent or somebody to help. But try to find other ways to get those needs met because that big question of staying in a relationship right now, you don't have the clarity to be able to yeah. even see clearly.
1: Right. I definitely agree that when you are at a place where you can't even identify what it is you want, you can't really make big decisions. What you have to do is get information and start with the low-hanging fruit. Look at the things that are the easiest for you to solve. And I know how painful it is when you look at the, when you look at your person and you're thinking you're supposed to be in this with me
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you're not, so I can't rely on you to help me with this. So I need to take control of this on my own. That, that can be really, really lonely and um, heartbreaking. That being said, it's, if you're the one feeling the pain, it is your responsibility to do something about it. You can't just sit and suffer. So I would say, build that momentum, take the things that are the easiest for you to solve and take them off your plate. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, if you do have the means to get someone to help you, then definitely do that. And as As you start sort of accumulating more and more bandwidth to to really even like know what you need to know how you feel, pivot off of that. If you don't know who you are anymore, that's a bigger problem Mm -hmm. than should I stay in this relationship? If you feel like you've lost your identity, right, that is where you should be throwing all of your attention because your identity will inform you Mm -hmm. of what kind of life you want to have, what kind of partnership you want to have and what kind of, what happiness looks like for you. Happiness does not look the same for every person. This is this idea that's marketed to us that this is what happiness looks like, (laughs) Right? you know, it's not, everyone's happy is different. You have to know what your happy is mm-hmm. in order for you to figure out what you need to change. What And if that means exiting a relationship, then that's what that means. But you don't yeah. know that until you know what makes you really happy. So I would say focus some energy on really diving in. And that's hard. That is hard, hard work. It, it is, is- the most beneficial thing you can do in this lifetime.
0: Yeah. And this podcast is a great start. There's a lot of other great podcasts out there that talk about things like this, but anything that has to do with expanding self-awareness, doing like having some quiet time, doing some guided meditation, just if you have to wake up 15 or 20 minutes earlier to get, even if you're tired to get that time for yourself, do it, do whatever you have to do to, to do that, quiet time, even if it's in the dark to focus on that. I know for me, I definitely was in that place where I felt totally lost, disconnected from myself and yeah. taking that time to really reconnect with myself and to start asking myself questions. Like, hmm, I'm feeling unhappy. Why is that? Or I'm feeling angry. Why is that? Like start talking with those negative emotions and start asking them questions so yeah. that you can engage in a conversation with yourself. Cause that's not Right now you're not feeling heard or yeah. listened to, but you can hear yourself. Yeah. You can listen to yourself. You can become your own best friend. And again, like Amy said, the end of this story or the next chapter could be you exiting the relationship and you're happy ever after. It could be living somewhere else and sharing the children in some sort of custody arrangement. And a lot of people do that and are much, much happier. Yeah, It could look like, changing the dynamic it could end up being like going to couples therapy you just don't know what's possible but even though you think things cannot change things inevitably change
1: they always do they always the ab- do the abandonment piece is also coming up a lot of times when we are feeling abandoned by a partner or a parent or a friend or whatever we're also abandoning ourselves and mm-hmm. you you know, I think that's worth looking at too. How have you abandoned yourself? I'll tell you something I did that really changed my life. Tell me, tell me. I'm going to tell you girls. Tell me more, tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) So about four, four or five years ago, I was probably at one of the lowest points of my life, like in terms of depression and not really knowing what my what I what I wanted my life to look like, like Mm -hmm. really lots and lots of despair.
0: Yeah.
1: So one of the things I did was I got a journal and I started writing down every time I felt like this pang of loneliness or sadness or whatever horrible emotion that showed up. I would grab that journal and I would write down in there one thing, that I felt I deserved. And I do it in tears. Like those pages are tear stained and it would be something like, I deserve to be heard. I deserve to feel appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every time I thought about partnership and, and what I wanted in partnership, especially if it was something I didn't have,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, would write, I would write it like, I deserve to feel like, I matter, that my feelings matter, you know, and it was like pages and pages of things that I told, I was telling myself through tears that I deserved. And that process, what it, what it does when you actually get it from inside your brain out through your fingertips onto a piece of paper, it creates like this feedback, feedback loop Yeah. because you are thinking it, you're writing it, and now you're reading it and it goes right back into your brain. So you have just created a loop, and it was, it was designed by you, and you're getting that information back to yourself. This is important because the things we say about ourselves out loud, we also hear. So one of the reasons like I really worked on losing this self-deprecation thing because I was hearing myself say it. Mm. So every time you say to yourself, like, oh my God, my life is never going to get better. Oh my God. Like I'm, I'm stuck. I, I'm trapped. I'm stuck. I'm trapped. Right. Every time you say it, you hear it. And then it solidifies it even more for you. It becomes like a choir
0: that you're listening to.
1: Exactly. And it sounds, it sounds hokey, but I'm telling you something will shift when you change that dialogue. And it starts by, at least for me, it started by writing it down. Like I deserve, like, I never thought it was possible to have some of the things that I have now in my relationship because I never saw it. I never Mm -hmm. saw it for myself. You had to feel
0: it. You had to tell yourself and you had to feel it first.
1: I would say if you are struggling with identity issues, it helps to know what you want. And sometimes you know what you want by what you don't want. So I looked at everything that in my life that I didn't want, that I hated, that caused me pain. And I wrote down the opposite. Yeah. And when I saw it all on paper, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is, this is what I want for myself. You can do this with a job. You can do this with really anything. Like anything. If you're thinking about career, what kind of career do I want? Write down all the things that you loved about every job. Write down the opposite of everything you hated. Mm-hmm. And then it shows up in front of you and you're like, okay, I can see what this looks like now. Mm-hmm. That's really good advice.
0: I think one thing too I wanted to mention here before we move on to the next one is um, Something else the Gottmans have is called the four horsemen, which are sort of four things that are really toxic in a relationship in terms of a dynamic. That I think, if they aren't, you know, what they say is if things aren't addressed, that the relationship goes down a path that it's really difficult, if not impossible, to come back from. One is contempt, which you mentioned earlier, one is stonewalling, mm-hmm. uh, one is defensiveness, and one is criticism. And so when you're, if your partner is criticizing you, if they're shutting you out with stonewalling, and this is again, like kind of on a regular basis, if they are being extremely defensive, you know, uh, if these kinds of behaviors are happening on a regular basis, they have to be addressed. You, you, you may be telling yourself, yeah, I can bear it, but you're basically numbing yourself to these kinds of behaviors and it's becoming emotionally abusive. And so a relationship like that is just not sustainable. So that person could go and get help. And you may be the person that's doing that to the other person, or you may both be doing it and be caught in that toxic cycle. And so that's where you really need to engage counseling. You really need to, it's not something that you can really do on your own, I guess I would say so.
1: It's good not to assume that your partner knows how they should treat you. I, I, you you sort of teach them how to treat you, right? You enable the behavior that takes place in a relationship. And so if you are passively taking it and inside silently, you know, mourning and feeling crappy about it, you have responsibility.
0: To say something. Yeah. Well said. Well, the next question is uh, about codependency, codependent or conscious. So this is what they said. I am hoping you can talk about codependency and how does this impact us in relationships as well as our consciousness? So I know you probably have a lot to say with your, psychol- <laughs> your psychology uh, studies. Hold on, let me push push up my nerd glasses. <laughs> push up your nerd glasses. So I just, I went ahead and I looked up the definition from psychology today, because I thought that might be helpful for the yeah. conversation. So it said, codependency is a term defined as a set of manipulative compulsive behaviors characterized by a lack of self-esteem Poor boundaries and obsessive control. Yes. And I think that's when people think about codependency, they may not be thinking about those specific things. But I, when you look at how to sort of deal with codependency, you look at it like, oh, yeah, there is a boundary Mm. that needs to be in place that is not in place, or maybe many boundaries. Um, There is some feeling of uh, lack of self-worth yeah. issues with self-worth that's in place. And then there's some level of like rumination. It could be anxiety driven. It could be, um, just obsessing over small things, but all of those things are certainly present in these situations.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think when I think of codependency, I <laughs> sound silly. I actually think of high school, uh, a lot of high school friendships are codependent. It's one Mm -hmm. of the first places that I learned codependency. I thought friendships were supposed to be codependent. Like you can't survive without, you know, these friendships. Like, who are you? What's your identity without these friendships? And there's a lot of um, manipulation that shows up and we carry that with us. And then the, the loss of boundaries, that's another really, really big thing, you know, the idea of like, you don't know where you end and the other person begins. That's a problem. Yeah, huge problem, but it, we it all doesn't have feel to... like a problem when things are great and everyone's having fun, but.
0: Just, just blame Jerry Maguire,
1: <laughs> you complete me.
0: It's like, no, no, that's really. No,
1: I was complete before you. Exactly, exactly. So did you, how are you in geometry? I I mean, I taught,
0: I taught it a long time ago,
1: (laughs) that was a long time ago. So I, I, I loved geometry because obviously I I loved shapes and I loved Mm -hmm. um, symmetry and I loved measuring things and all of that. And I just remember the idea of like complementary and supplementary angles. Mm -hmm. Right. And I remember sitting there studying those and thinking, oh, wow. There, this is making sense to me in terms of like relationships, how you want someone who compliments you. Yeah. And, but you don't want someone who completes you. You mm. want someone who enhances you. Right. You don't want to feel like you are not whole without this person.
0: Well, and there's a lot of people who think, well, what are you talking about? I, I depend on, what my are you partner. talking about? What are You're you crazy. talking about? Shut up, your face. Um, <laughs> you <Shut know>. up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going full on Jersey here, but um, there's people who go, you know, I depend on my partner for this and this and that, and they depend on me for this and this and that, that is a different thing. There's interdependency, Right is healthy where both people have roles to play. There is a level of equality. There is a feeling of mutual respect and each person is giving to the relationship, but you have to know where your no is. That is when you get into, when you fall into codependent patterns, there is an issue, a real issue with setting boundaries. And um, Brene Brown, if you all aren't familiar with her, listen to her Ted talks about shame and vulnerability, read her work she talks about, she has interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people and trying to figure out what creates wholeness, wholehearted living, people who are happy, who have the ability to solve problems, who have compassion and empathy for others, who can genuinely have like a positive outlook on life. And one of the things that they have in common, all of them, is the ability to set healthy boundaries. Yeah. And when I look back on my past and <laughs> where I've come <laughs> from, I did not know how to set boundaries because I grew up in a situation when you grow up in dysfunction. Yeah. Part of that is that you are not allowed to have boundaries. I mean, look, I shared a room with two other sisters. We slept in the same bed. (laughs) There were no boundaries in my family. There were a bunch of kids running around. There was a lot of dysfunction. And so I was not allowed to have my own space, my own thoughts, nothing of my own. And so, of course, as I grew up, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing everything. Everything that's mine is yours. And that's good to have a heart of service, but if you are not serving yourself, if you don't know where your no is, where you say, hey, you can have this, but no, you cannot have that because that is then going to impede me. That is then going to bleed against my identity. It's gonna compromise who I am as a person. Yeah, This is okay, this is not okay. You need to know where that is for you. Otherwise you will end up in a codependent relationship pattern. And when you start chipping away yourself you are not going to be able to show up in a relationship in a healthy and whole way and that happiness that you were seeking in the relationship is no longer going to be available to you. Totally
1: I would add that you know I, I don't know if I can speak for <laughs> for the entire Indian community but <laughs> bring it co- co- codependency is something you learn in the Indian household. And it is very, very hard to unlearn. Yeah. I mean, it took years of therapy mm-hmm. for me to learn how to set boundaries, how to carve out an independent persona. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that when I did that work, a lot of my relationships ended, friendships you know, my relationship dynamic with my family changed for the better, for the better. It was not easy though. It was not easy. It required a lot of patience. And when you are transforming a relationship from codependent to, you know, interdependent there, there's that between period that it's, it's like a cocoon. It's messy. (laughs) There's, There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of angst. There's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of stuff that shows up because in order for that relationship to change, it doesn't require just one person to change. It requires both people to change. And when both people can't change or can't evolve, I should say, maybe that's a better word, that relationship can end.
0: I always like to say you grow together or you grow apart. Yeah. And it's really true um, that you either figure out ways to continue growing together and growing as individuals, but together. And that and, and I love that quote about, you know, love is two people looking out in the same direction mm. because it's two individuals that are looking at a path and walking down that path and maybe holding hands and helping each other along the path, but it's not two people enmeshed in each other, you know, no. that no longer know who they are. That's not love. And if you're, if you're caught in that kind of pattern, really start at again, asking yourself those important questions about who am I, what matters to me, where are my boundaries? And, you know, the body is a messenger. We ignore the body sometimes, oh, but yeah. your body will tell you you um, feel it and i know amy and i are in a little bit more into this if you look at chakra work you can start to look at where that boundary is happening when you start feeling pain or unease discomfort in a certain area of the body i know for me in the relationship that i was last in my throat would tighten
1: yeah
0: in my throat chakra because i was not using my voice i did mm-hmm. not feel free to express my feelings or emotions so my throat would feel very, very tight. And I had to yeah. do a lot of throat chakra work to start loosening that up. I actually lost my voice for, I could not sing. And I'm a singer for fun. Um, you know, The dream is a wish your heart makes. Anyhow, we're just being silly. But, you know, <laughs> I could not sing for a full year. I lost my voice, I lost the ability to sing and for me who has been singing my whole life that was my vital essence but it was because that chakra was blocked
1: yeah. so
0: really if i when once i started like listening to my body and saying my body is telling me something when i was in a situation it's telling me i'm not safe emotionally yeah. safe it's telling me that a boundary is being is being crossed and i'm yeah. not dealing with it so this is a, this is tough stuff wow we're so serious <laughs>
1: Oh my God, take a chill pill. It's all all right, okay? Let's just like not the and on, chow. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the Cheetos? I need Cheetos.
0: <laughs> let me just throw some cheese at you. I'm throwing <laughs> cheese at you through the Zoom. It's
1: Valentine's Day, have some cheese. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness, well. Look, I'm- I've been, I, let me just say for the record, I have been through it all. I have been single, miserable. I've been in relationships, miserable. I've been single and happy. I'm in a relationship and happy. It's all possible. Everything can transform. Everything can change. Everything can evolve. It really is a matter of how much work are you willing to put in to make it better? And how much are you going to love yourself? Yeah.
0: How much are you going to love yourself? And no love is worth having if you can't love yourself first. 100%. So love yourself. Have a happy Valentine's Day. We love you.
1: Eat some cheese. (laughs) Eat some chocolate. Cheese and chocolate.